everybody. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Lights, Camera, Cocktails. I am the black store owner, cussing motherfucker, trust anybody except the white man, Zenobia. <laughs> <laughs> and I am your gun-toting, headache-having... Pulling off a wife beater in 1995. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Lenny. And uh, <laughs> here on Lights, Camera, Cocktails, cocktails. we pair amazing cocktails with amazing movies. And tonight is no different. No, it's not. Tonight is the beginning of a new month and we are doing sequel month so that means that we are doing part twos part threes part fours of our favorite movies Mm -hmm. now these don't necessarily mean that they're better than the first one it just means that it's a really great ass sequel exactly so tonight we picked one that i have been talking about doing for since like the beginning of the show a movie that lenny Fucking loves as well. I love this We're movie so much. One of the best, <laughs> one of the best sequels of all time. Die Hard with a Vengeance. Die Hard with a Vengeance. Ow! <laughs> Yippee ki yay, motherfucker! Motherfuckers. Seriously, so, yeah, I'm so excited that we're doing this movie. Because one, the show's already done the first, right? You and Jason totally did this one for Christmas a couple of years back, right? Yep, So we, did. we get to finally talk about... I wouldn't say that it's better than the first Die Hard, right? Because it's not. that's not possible. But I think it holds a candle. Like, it can hold on its own, like, as awesome of a movie that it is. And I would say it's I even better than agree. the second. I, it's better than Die Hard 2, for sure. Oh, no, it's better than all the rest of the Die Hards. Yeah. Like, Die Hard 1 is, you know, Die Hard 1. We wouldn't have this one without that one. Exactly. I love it. Still watch it in December. But this one has to be my all-time favorite of the Die Hards. I'm not saying yeah. it's better. It's just my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it might be my all-time favorite. I mean, yeah. Better than all of them. Ah, I did it. We'll get, we'll get to <laughs> we'll it. We'll get to but it. right now... I'm ready to drink. Let's get this drinking started. All right, so tonight's cocktail, I wanted to do the gold bar, as we know. Mm -hmm. Setting the bar high, are we? I would not give up the plane for the gold in your Fort Knox. You don't have enough gold in your Fort Knox. Oh my god, I loved that so much. Like he tells you what he's doing at the very first beginning the part beginning. of the whole movie. It's just like it's you so say, great. Hey, bitch. Yep, uh, I'm looking way. at your gold, motherfucker. <laughs> but so with this cocktail, it's a rather simple cocktail. It's super fun. We wanted to have a celebratory drink because we're celebrating. Yeah. So tonight, this is really fun. We got to use an, a different mixture than we've ever done before. We chose to do edible glitter dust. To make our cocktail really shimmery and shiny and it glitters because I wanted to give it a shimmery gold bar look. So you mm-hmm. go ahead and put one fourth a tisp into your drink and then you pour your ounce of St. Germain. You're going to need an ounce of St. Germain. Swish it into your glass and get it all liquefied up. Then add a half an ounce of vodka. 
And then top it off with a nice chilled champagne. 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 And then you get this beautiful, shimmery, lovely, gorgeous cocktail. It is quite cool to look at. It is so cool to look at. And like they come in all different colors, but we chose gold, obviously, because it's the gold bar. So uh, cheers. Here we go, ladies. Cheers. I like it. I like it, too. The elderflower is really nice with the champagne. It is. And you had mentioned that Mm -hmm. uh, the first time we used it. And I've had splashed it in there before. But this this is really good. The vodka, the gold, the champagne. Okay, so I was unable to find the edible gold for this cocktail. But I did find gold sprinkles. (laughs) And I just put them in my shaker and I muddled them up as finely as I could. And then I poured some vodka over it to dissolve any of the big pieces. Mm -hmm. And I gave it pretty good shakes too. I was just trying to get all the chunkies out of there. And then I uh, mixed it in there. So that's my, uh, the vodka portion is the gold portion. It looks pretty cool. It was her little hack. I love it. Making it work. (laughs) We're always making it work. I went to three stores, y'all, and I couldn't find it. So making it happen. And I I went to Michael's. I ended up going to Michael's yesterday and I still didn't find it. You still didn't find it? (laughs) That's crazy. Oh my gosh. All right, are you ready for a little bit of history? Yeah, give it to me. So we pretty much talked about almost every single component in this drink, actually. So what I thought was really fun, because we've never actually tried the edible dust before, that I would talk about our secret ingredient to make your drink really shiny. Like I said before, you don't have to just get gold. You can get them in all different sorts of colors. And I found so many really fun cocktails to make with this stuff. Like you can make like galaxy looking cocktails. They had like a Hulk one and someone did it with green. Like there's, it's just so really fun to play with this ingredient. So the edible glitter is uh, basically it's like the pixie dust of the food world. <laughs> and it okay. goes, uh, it goes by a multiple a multitude of names. There's disco dust. Jewel dust, luster dust. That sounds like cocaine. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. <laughs> basically, disco dust yeah, sounds like it's basically cocaine. You're just like a little glitter drug on the market. These will all be edible. It's basically just sugar and cornstarch with a little bit of pearlescent pigments. It's all completely natural. It's all edible. It's not It's not hard to digest. And actually, uh, you can dust it on food as well to make it all shimmery, like cakes and cookies and all that fun stuff. Okay, so that's what yeah. I, I know it as, of like dusting it on like chocolate or on cakes or edible mm-hmm. leaves and stuff like that. So that's what I knew it as, and I was looking yeah. for it. I'm so sorry. I'm yeah. on the look now. Uh, please do. Check it out, everybody. It's so much fun. It's I've been having a ball with it. I, I got Girl Scout cookies because it's Girl Scout <laughs> cookie season. And I even and I, it I sure uh, is. dusted a couple of the tagalongs, the peanut butter chocolate ones, just to like test it out on. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so much fun. <laughs> so I was eating those earlier. OK, OK. Uh, but yeah, go ahead and try it out, everybody. It's really fun. It makes I think it brings a whole like fun, sparkly giggly element to it like i just feel really giggly drinking this glittery drink (laughs) i mean yes i think this is a great drink if you it's your golden anniversary and you want to make a little special Mm -hmm. cocktail for your lady or your for your man then this is a really cool one you'd be like happy golden anniversary as you drink this golden champagne Mm -hmm. concoction it like elevated it it doesn't add any flavor to it which is really great 
There's no, I don't think it added any kind of flavor to mm. it. It just really elevates the cocktail to make it just look really beautiful. Just as special. It does. You can see like the gold like yeah, swimming around I love in there. It. So uh, that's a little bit of herstory on the edible gold dust. Ow! All oh, right, course, thank you. I like that. So are are you ready? What? Oh my god! Oh my god! Am I? I am so. Are, yes. She's like yes, you guys. I'm, she's I'm so ready. tripped right now. I'm so ready. Are you ready for the motherfucking drinking game? Yes, I. Yes, I. I am so ready for your you guys, motherfucking drinking game. This is my first game. ever drinking game entered into the lights, camera, cocktail drinking game. Book of Fame. Yeah, she does. She does. I, I don't pass the reins on too often. I think mm-hmm. Jason only did it once. So, yeah, I trust you. I think that you got I'm this. Really I'm, so I'm really nervous. I'm really excited. Like, my palms are sweating and my butt crack is sweating. But, like, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm absolutely <laughs> ready. So. Let me grab my gold. What is this drink called again? The gold bar. Let me grab my gold bar and get ready for this. It weighs 25. It's not- this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Is this gold? He's like, he's not going to let you keep it. And he's like, yeah, you're going to let you keep it. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, 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 we'll, we'll see. see. <laughs> Just wait till he looks into the back of the car. Shit, that was my gold bar. Damn it, that's my gold oh, bar. Oh, my gold bar. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, Samuel Jackson. I got your gold bar right here. I'm, oh, <laughs> wait, that's not supposed to be like that. Yeah, that sounded dirty, but I was going to let it go. Okay, good. <laughs> Okay, grab your gold bar because you're going to take a sip every time there is a bomb explosion. So we're talking the very first scene, the department store blows up, the subway train when it hits the mark and it it blows. And even, I'm going to even accept when Charlie is demonstrating the combo and blows up the chair and everyone in the precinct freaks out and Connie's just like, Charlie, you're going to be wearing that chair up your ass! I'm going to shove that chair up your ass! I love her. Okay, so it counts for when the boat explodes and they jump off like fucking Die Hard. Like fucking Die Hard. It is Die Hard. I'm such an idiot. It is Die Hard. (laughs) We are watching a Die Hard movie. No, yes. Every single time there is an explosion, like a bomb explosion, take a sip. Okay. Number two, and this is where y'all are going to get real fucked up, but we had to include it because it's it's just the best one. Any single time someone says, McLean, take a sip. Oh, shit. Is there a detective named McLean there? John McLean, I owe you one. Simon's going to tell Lieutenant McLean what to do, and Lieutenant McLean is going to do it. You know where to find McLean? Lieutenant McLean. Hey, Lieutenant McLean. McLean! They say it all the time. McLean? McLean, you they try to kill yourself? Gonna... <laughs> Shut up, McLean! McLean, oh, you really okay. know how to flag someone down! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, every single time you hear McLean, John McLean, you gotta take a drink. All right, what's it? You're gonna take a sip. It's a simp. <laughs> oh, take a sip. When someone mentions Holly, oh, oh my god! And they're Ooh. always reminding him of his wife Holly. Yeah, do they have to say her name, or can they just say Holly? Uh, Holly. I mean, or, or his, his wife. wife. Even it, okay. just when any someone references Holly, you gotta take a sip. So like Zeus is like, I gotta know why didn't why aren't you and your wife speaking? You didn't make that phone call, you know what I mean? Or 
fucking Walter is always just like, oh, come on, you know you haven't been the same since. Frankly, John, you haven't been... Hey, Walter, how about you mind your fucking business about Holly, huh? You and Simon fucking up a perfectly good hangover. Ah, uh, shut up about that. Stop talking about Holly. Don't, don't stop talking about Holly, bitch. <laughs> you want me to do something for you. That's not the way to get it done. Yeah, because we all know how much he loves Holly forever. Um, I mean, they could have added her into some of the movies because she fucking is she in part two to be real with you i've only seen part two once and it was but part three was my shit so yeah it's true yeah this is the first movie she isn't she isn't that one Mm -hmm. this is the she wasn't able to be uh, around for filming so she was not allowed she wasn't able to be in the film unfortunately Mm -hmm. and they're like well you know what bitch then you're divorced yeah (laughs) (laughs) don't they they get divorced in five right aren't they divorced at that point I mean, we never see her again. No, we never see her again. It's true. It's true. <laughs> we All hear right. about her every every time, but we never see her again. No, we don't. All right, you're going to take a sip. When Simon says... Call me Simon. What do you want? I want to play a game. What kind of game? Simon says. Now that's when someone even says, Simon says. Like Walter says, Simon says, you go, so you go, Zeus. Or... When, when Simon gives you, like, a really good riddle. Said simple Simon to the pieman going to the fair, give me your pies. Or I'll cave your head in. Uh, as, my, as I was on my way to Santa Eyes, I met a man with seven wives. Seven wives. With seven <laughs> wives with seven sacks and seven sacks with seven cats. Cat sacks, sacks, wives, how many were going to St. Ives? Shut up, McLean! Ooh, I'm, I... I'm good at this kind of stuff! <laughs> yeah. Wait, I think I actually said I it. Think... Did I just say yeah, it? Yeah, I believe that you just did the whole rhyme. As I was going to St. Ives, I met a man with seven wives. Every wife had seven sacks, every sack had seven cats. Every cat has seven kittens, kittens, cats, sacks, and wives. How many were going to St. Ives? <laughs> All right! That's how many times I've seen this goddamn movie in my life. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, whenever Simon says, Simon says a rhyme, take a sip. You're going to take a sip. Take a sip. When they, talk, when they talk about the lottery. Hey, what was the lottery number last night? 4667. Uh, do you guys know what the lottery numbers is? And they say, 6114. Like, they all know it. That's my favorite. Still paying your badge numbers. Totally- <laughs> Still paying your badge, Rick? Yeah. Sixty-nine ninety-one every week. Sixty-nine ninety-one, lucky number. Yeah, oh, I know. And then he <laughs> says it again when he's trying to like figure out what the cops are doing inside of the re- uh, reserve. He like doesn't trust them, so mm-hmm. he like brings it up again. Talks about the lottery. So every single time they talk about the lottery, you gotta take a sip. All right. These are my numbers, my lucky numbers. I say, why do you play them every time? I know. Well, these every are my si- lucky numbers. Every, every single NYPD plays his number. All right. You're going to take a sip. Take a sip. When someone talks about a headache or a hangover. I told the librarian that I had a bad headache, but she didn't believe me. I really do have a bad headache, though. I have a very bad headache, and my head does not feel <laughs> I had a really bad headache. I just said I had a really bad headache when he's acting all fucking oh, yeah. Bellevue. <laughs> yeah, at Bellevue. I told her I had a really bad headache. I, I had a really bad headache. I am the voice of my own God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he went crazy real quick. I've yeah. seen some crazy people on the street. I think I could 
jump into that real quick too. Mm-hmm. And like the big part where he he's like, I got a fucking headache. Do you have any aspirin? And Simon totally throws him the bottle, which is such a stupid he's like, idea. Here, keep the bottle. Keep the bottle. Oh God, fucker had aspirin. And he has been looking for aspirin all day. They talk about it when they're at the precinct, and he's like, Hey, give me some aspirin. No one brings him aspirin. Poor John McClane. Nobody ever brings it. I mean, he's doing all of this with a hangover. With a I can barely hangover. like. And Captain I have Kangaroo. gone to work. I've gone to work with a hangover and I could barely get shit done. Like, and this dude's saving New York. <laughs> That's dedication. It is. It truly is. Okay. You are going to finish your drink. Ooh, finish your drink. When McLean sees the officer with the 6991 badge, which is his friend, Detective Ricky Walsh's badge, and you're like, shit. It's that moment like you're like, oh, <laughs> fuck, now he knows for sure. And then he brings up the lottery. So you got to finish your drink. My wife buys me two tickets every week. The last 10 years, plays the same two numbers all the time. I say, hey, why don't you play a different number? She goes, well, those are my lucky numbers. I got the tickets right here. I got the tickets right here. Pow, 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 pow. It's the best. <laughs> Got the tickets right here. You want to see them? My wife she plays shirts. her number. <laughs> she plays her number. Okay, that's a good one. Okay, you're gonna finish your drink when they reveal that Simon is Simon is Gruber, which is Hans Gruber's brother from the first movie. Boom. So we connecting with the first one and see, like we we probably will never do another Die Hard unless you guys ask us to. But we connected the first and the third. Yeah, we're done. We're done. <laughs> it's it's a perfect it's a perfect movie combo. It is. Oh, Simon Gruber, he's the best. Ah, oh, Jeremy Irons. Ah. Okay, you gonna finish your drink? Ooh. Okay. Finish it. When Jerry Parks finally tells McLean who the twenty first president is. Tell him to find out who the twenty first president was. Just three hour. What? Chester A. Arthur, 1881 to 1885, nominated vice president, 1880. Did you know he was collector of customs right here in New York? No, I didn't know that, Jerry. Because he's going around, he's like, who's the 21st president? Go fuck yourself. You know, like. <laughs> well, you stole his car. I, I would One, I wouldn't tell you. Two, I don't even know. I literally only know the ones that are, like, within my lifetime. Yes. So anything, anything outside of that, I'm like, mm. If you're not like the first three, I don't know. If you're not the last three, I don't know. <laughs> and it's Chester A. Arthur. Chester A. Arthur. But what really the loophole that really makes me mad though is that Zeus doesn't know the school that his nephews go to and doesn't realize that that could be it. Like he's not thinking. I don't know. That that one was always a big loop for me. That I was like, he's really not going to wonder who's like if his nephews are okay. I don't know. Here's the thing. There's nothing that he can do. It's true. To stop it except doing what he is doing. Exactly. He is like doing more than any parent can possibly do. If we were just outside and we didn't know who was going to be blowing up our school or something, yes, then go panic your ass, try to pull your kids out, cuss out some cops because they won't let you go get your kid out of school, whatever the fuck, go do your yeah. parent shit, okay? Mm-hmm. I get it. But he, he was actually trying to stop a bomb yeah. from blowing up any school his or any school. So, I mean, like, yeah, but he's you don't not need really to be worried about like, that because... Just like a second, though. Like, that's not good. I don't know. Either way, if it blows up, there's babies dying. And no one wants babies to die, no, no matter I... who it is, if it's yours or somebody else's. So, like, him worrying about his, his nephews, which I probably would have not because, like, the only way to stop them from being hurt 
is to stop the bombing and figure out what school it is. I got to figure out what school it is. Well, yeah, but I'm sorry. You can't win. You're just not going to convince me with this because honestly, that's not going to be one of the thoughts that's going on in his mind is like, oh, my God. I'm sure he has a million drops. What school does the boys go to? Just really quick. Let me think about it. Oh, 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 my God. What? I don't know. It's one of those things where it just irks me a little bit. Like, I I think he would have thought about it. I don't know. Anyway. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> and then you're gonna finish your drink when he finally says yippee kaye yippee kaye motherfucker 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 because yep. it's it's McLean's line it's his famous line so you gotta finish your fucking drink it's the end of the movie he just it's blew up the helicopter so <sighs> we are all ready to take a drink after that cause it was finish crazy finish what I was left in your cup <laughs> oh okay. my god so do you have any suggestions for the drinking game I think that your drinking game is really good for your first drinking game. I am so proud of you. Thank you. I tried. I tried. (laughs) Um, One that I noticed a lot of Mm -hmm. would be anything that is pertains to race. So Zeus is constantly always being like, it's because I'm black, huh? Mm. Or Bruce is always just like, oh, you're just mad because I'm a white guy. Or they'll, he'd be like, I'm not, do I look Puerto Rican to you? And he's like, fucking. Right, chill out. Hey, Zeus, chill out. What the, the fuck are you to trying to relate to me? Talk like a white man. Okay, Zeus, I'm sorry you got involved. Why do you keep calling right? me Jesus? I look Puerto Rican to you. Hey, Zeus. Hey, Zeus. You know, so, so yeah, wanna... any of those, that could be a good one. Even the white dude gets in the cab and he's just like. 112 Wall Street or I'll have your medallion suspended. What? You don't like white people? Oh, what? You don't like white people? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'll take you for a ride. <laughs> and he fucking takes them. Yeah. I just feel like they, they make a point to point out race in this movie. I mean, from even wearing the I hate nigger sign. I mean, like, in your face. Yeah. No, it's true. There's a huge racial variable throughout the entire film. Absolutely. I actually really like it. I I think it's a very well-written, educated conversation, especially at the one point when they're trying to figure out this bomb and they're trying to fix the bomb and make sure that they can get four gallons in the five-gallon tub. And they're all of a sudden, (laughs) McLean's like, I can't take it anymore, man. You're fucking racist. Like, I can't do this. And he's like, I'm racist. And then he just gets, it's a really big there. And actually, it's the last time they have to really deal with it themselves with each other because Mm -hmm. they finally are like, no, we're past this like we're done we're over it and we're moving on he's a white cop like what do you want (laughs) what do you want you want want him to just like suck your dick i can't do that dude no you come over in harlem and harass us all the goddamn time yeah (laughs) one dead cop means that we don't have tons of cops up in harlem just roaming around Mm -hmm. harassing us like we don't need that shit so yes i stopped it so that we wouldn't have a race riot go down in harlem (laughs) And that's the only thing I would add. I think you did a great, fantastic job. You got all the marks. Perfect. Oh, I did have one. Another one that was a possible. This was like an honorable mention one. Any single time they reference a Christmas reference. I noticed that a lot throughout this film. Like Charlie, when he's diffusing the bomb, he does the six booby traps, four dead ends, and a partridge in a pear tree. And then he's talking. Oh my God, my favorite line is the one too, where the kids, he's like, hey, what are you still? And he's like, look around you. The cops are into something. Look around, man. All the cops are into something. It's Christmas. You could steal City Hall. It's Christmas. You can still city hall. Like, that's like my fucking, one of my favorite lines in this movie, always. It's so good. It's so good. And, like, he talks about, I just saw a man with a reindeer and a red coat. 
You know, mm-hmm. looks like Santa Claus. And I feel like those are just big callbacks to the first Die Hard because it's happening during Christmas. And this isn't during Christmas time at all. So I thought Well, it was- the second one is also during Christmas, too. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes, it is. So I feel like it was doing yeah. a callback to the, the other Die Hard. So I thought. But so if we want to add that one, too, I did have that as an honorable mention. I love it. Okay. You're so right. So the, That's a good one. That's a good one. We'll add it to the list. All right. And that is the complete motherfucking drinking game. game. Yes. Yes. And thank you for letting me do it. <laughs> I am so proud of you. Thank Look you. at you guys. Ah, I'm so excited. She's doing it. Cheers. You're doing it, Peter. You're playing with us, You're Peter. You're playing with us, Peter. You're doing it. All right. Well, are you ready? Oh, I'm Four. fucking ready. Oh, 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 I'm ready for those stats, stats, stats. Give me the stats, stats, stats. I want to hear those stats, stats, stats. Give me those stats, stats, stats. Oh, yeah. Stats, stats, stats. Ooh, back it up. Those I'm about stats. to give you those stats, stats, stats. Yeah, I'm giving you stats, stats, stats. Stats, stats, stats. Okay. <laughs> so here is the stats for Die Hard with a Vengeance. Okay. So this movie dropped... May 19th, 1995, baby. Ooh, love that 95, though. Love that 95, yeah. though. Mm. And I do remember going to the movies to see this. I believe my dad took us to the drive-in to go see this. That's so cute. And I think that's a big reason why it's probably my favorite one, because it's the first one I actually got to see in the theaters. Mm-hmm. It's so, And it was always on TV. Along with the first one. It so was I, I think always that's on why. TV, a lot. I remember it being <laughs> on TV lot. all the freaking time. Okay, and so. I ain't complaining. I ain't complaining. It, it helped me love this fucking movie. Yeah. So the budget for this movie was $90 million. So that's 1995 money. But if you tried to make this movie today in 2021, it'd be $154 million to make Shut this movie. up. Well, <laughs> I mean, the set and the scenes, I mean, that's all New York, baby. That's not on a studio is, at all. Oh, my God. Well, okay. 95% of this movie was filmed in New York yep. on New York streets. Mm-hmm. 5% of it was filmed in South Carolina. Um, mainly the subway part with the train derailing mm-hmm. was something that was done in a confined Con- Yeah, studio. in a controlled space. Yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah. So other than that, yeah, it definitely was just like on the streets. And they talked about how they had problems with fans just like gathering. Yeah. To be like, oh, my God. Or like pissed off and honking while they're in traffic. But they'll drive by and be like, I love you, Bruce Willis. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Classic. I mean, you can see it in some of the scenes. They're just like people are just on the sidewalk staring. And you're like, well, yeah. OK, it is New York. So people are weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> OK, it made three hundred and sixty six million dollars worldwide. A hundred million of that comes from the United States and the rest of them is from worldwide. So it like killed. It killed. Oh, my God. I mean, I'm not and at, surprised. It's amazing. Yeah. And at the time, it was the highest grossing diehard movie. So if you transferred that money into 2021 money, that would be six hundred and twenty eight million dollars to make this movie or what they would what have they, got. Wow. For this movie. So. Yeah, people will come out to see Die Hard movies. I believe all of them make at least over $100 million, which is like fucking crazy. Yeah. Which is true, because I do go see them just because you're adding on to the story. I know exactly what to expect, and I like what I usually expect. Yep. This movie ended up being the highest grossing movie of 1995 worldwide. Wow. 
Way to go. Record setting, yeah. baby. So there was no higher selling movie in 1995 in the entire world than Die Hard with a Vengeance. Mm-hmm. Right? Isn't that crazy? Way to go, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Way to go, Die Hard, right? <laughs> okay. Rotten Tomatoes. Critics. 59%. Are you fucking kidding me? Okay, Flames? can I... Flames? Can I, Flames on the side of my face. Side of my face. <laughs> yes. Uh, I guess I understand. Oh my god! Okay. I, I think the main consensus was that I can't. The original Die Hard was so groundbreaking for these type of movies that the '90s were completely flooded with knockoff Die Hards. Mm. I mean, we even talked about it with Fifth Element, which has Bruce Willis, that they were kind of calling it Die Hard, Hard in Space. Like it's just. A type of genre of movies <sighs> that Jean-Claude Van Damme and all these people during the 90s took advantage of. Yeah. I mean, even Keanu, Speed, and, you know, like all that shit was kind of diehardish. So I think that the critics at the time were just like fed up with these, even though this is like the original. Yeah. I don't know. I think they were hating definitely, but... That's a little insight, maybe. Of no, why. I respect that. And it's a lot. It, it is it's hard to live up to the original, for sure. Mm-hmm. It is. But you've got such great names. You've got Samuel L. Jackson coming on board, which this isn't the first time you get to see Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson together. We'll talk about that later. But they have such a great dynamic. And then you got Jeremy Irons coming in. And, oh, my God, like, he's an epic actor. Like, huge deal so i don't know it's just like i I feel like there should have been so much more hype and maybe there was at the time i'm just like surprised so you want to hear what the audience had to say yeah give me those audience numbers i'm I'm ready audience 83 percent. so they are better than the critics i mean it's a it's an okay number it's an okay number i i wouldn't i wouldn't beat no one up for this one but that 59 i'll fuck some shit up yeah i'll smack some people around motherfucker it's Samuel Jackson episode. We can motherfucker all up in this motherfucker. Motherfucker. (laughs) Okay, so my ZZ Fresh for this would definitely be 95%. There's a lot of things in here that, you know, you have to kind of look over to, like, believe that this is going to be a real story. But obviously it's not. It's very entertaining. I do think that they're blowing up the buildings and the train like that are very beautifully done. Like that first explosion is like gorgeous. Gorgeous. It really is. I watched it over and Mm -hmm. over. I'm like, Oh my God, this was great. It's beautiful. Um, But yeah, there's things like Zeus not caring about his nephew or, you know, there's just some things, but other than that, I think it's greatly cast. I love seeing Bruce Willis and Samuel Jackson together, you know, getting the the original director back so you can get that real good action feel. Like, it's just, there's so much. There's so much. Mm-hmm. At least should get a 95. Nothing lower. Yeah. Unless unless you're doing something lower. No, I, I actually, the little Lenny Zest I've got is a 97%. Like, I wanted to give it justice and give it what it deserves because I love this movie. I think it's awesome. It's nostalgia over everything else. Yeah. Like, this is, I watched this movie tons of times growing up. It, you're going to make fun. It's seriously, it's just the Zeus. He's so brilliant and he's such a smart character in this movie that it just pains me every single time. Even They even reference it at the end of the film. He, I mean, not the end, but later in the film when he's like, oh, it's Chester A. Arthur he's like that's where my nephews go and he goes he must have chosen that school because he wanted to keep you involved keep you in this game that's true and they reference that and 
that is another added on layer that I wanted to see. I just, I feel like the character of Zeus, he's such a big character and he happens, I, I wish I could have seen all of that manipulation happening and it was, it's just, it's a whole layer. But what I really super love and I think what's really great for the character is that Zeus has a total of two guns in this movie at that time and he never shoots one of them because he is the good Samaritan. He's a good man, he's a good citizen and he doesn't want to hurt anybody, he just wants to help everybody. So little fun fact there. I like love that he has a gun, but he never actually shoots it because, you know, he's not that character. He's not the killer. He's a good guy. And um, that's why I'd give it a 97%. Yeah. Other than, I just, I, I think it's a great movie. Go watch it. Holy shit. So yeah, love that. Love that for this movie. I do. All right. So yeah, that's the stats. Love those stats, stats, stats. I love those stats, stats, stats. Now, I have some great news for you. <gasps> what? I have some AKAs. <gasps> yes! 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 <laughs> oh my god, lay him on me, baby. I'm so ready for this. All right. Okay. So, AKAs, which is also known as, which means that these are the titles for this movie all over the world. And we did briefly kind of talk about this in our Die Hard episode. So, some of these might sound familiar. Okay, so here we go. Ah. So grab your gold bar and travel with me to Argentina, where it's called Hard to Kill 3, Revenge. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I love it because he really is hard to kill. He just comes back again and again and again. McLean can never go down. Yeah, that is a title, like probably the most, the second most popular title for these movies is Hard to Kill. So, so that's what I was about to So is that Revenge. a... Is that like what it was going by with Die Hard 2? It was called Hard to Kill? Yeah. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those are... So the, some of these are like the name of the movie. In Revenge. Different. So if you head to Croatia, you might know this one as Die Male 3. <laughs> <laughs> Die male three. I love it. Yep. There's no, there's no, he's just the third. It's just the third one. That's my favorite. Die male three. Um, This one is pretty funny. If you go to Denmark, this movie would be known as Die Hard, Mega Hard. (laughs) Oh my God, that's so good. Thank you. Thank you, Denmark. Die Hard, very hard. Thank you, Denmark. Okay, so if you went to Yugoslavia, mm-hmm. this movie would be called Die Male with Revenge. <laughs> so it's part of like the first and second one if you put them together. It's Yugoslavia. Thank you, Yugoslavia. <laughs> die Male Thank you. with Revenge. No, Die Male with Revenge. Die yeah, Male. Get it right. Sorry. <laughs> so if we traveled on to Finland, this movie would be called Die Hard 3, The Angel of Revenge. Ooh. I kind of like that one. I do too. Angel with Revenge? Of Revenge. Oh, Angel of Revenge. I like that. It makes Simon sound like an angel. Of death. (laughs) (laughs) We don't know how many people died in that first explosion in the store. I don't even think they talk about it. I know. They don't really bring up the casualties (laughs) in the department store. Yeah, they didn't talk about that. The only time they talk about it is like when the train crashes and he's like, 
We got like five injured, a guy's a pacemaker stop, and a woman's water broke. Like nothing fucking happened. <laughs> Okay, so if you went to Iran, this movie would be called Life Hard 3. Life Hard 3. Got it. Perfect. <laughs> Life is hard the third time around. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. Poor Life McClane. hard. Life hard, McLean. <laughs> it is. His life sucks. Okay, so. <laughs> it's true. He has a drinking problem. He's, he's two drinks away from being an alcoholic. He's like, one. Just one. one. Just one. <laughs> I love, I, I love that whole conversation with him. Damn. <laughs> All right. So if we went to Lithuania, this this one's probably my favorite one. So this would be okay. Die Hard Revenge with a Pile. <laughs> uh, this is literally me just translating the title. So it might not say that but it's funny enough for me to laugh i love it well it's just because it's <laughs> die hard with a venge with a pile <laughs> like double with and a, a a pile it's die hard revenge with the pile so oh. it's like a pile of gold or a pile of rubble from the explosion it don't matter yeah bodies pile of bodies it's a bunch that that elevator was full of bodies <laughs> i love it full so if you traveled to norway this movie would be called Die Hard, I, New York. <laughs> All right. I, I, think I they, New York. Do you think they meant like I Heart New York? Like the, like the classic t-shirts? Maybe. Hmm. But there was no heart. There was it no just heart. said I, New York. So, I, New York. <laughs> there was no, I thought the same. And I did it twice because I was like, maybe I'm missing a word that goes there. No. <laughs> so if you travel to Poland, this movie would be called Glass Trap 3. Now, we talked about this in Die Hard 1. It was called The Glass Trap. So they had to continue with that. Oh, this one. <laughs> cool. Glass Trap. I like that. Yeah. It's a cool band name. So there's got to be, ooh, I like it. Dibs on bad name. <laughs> <laughs> so if you went to Slovakia, this would be called Deadly Trap 3. Deadly Trap 3. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Deadly Trap 3. So if we went to Slovenia... It'd be dead, upright, without hesitation. <laughs> That's good. I dig that. Dead, upright, without hesitation. Without hesitation. If you went to Sweden, it'd be die hard, uninhibited. I don't know. I All don't right. Know. Okay, so Taiwan. Hey, girls, you know this movie as Ultimate Detective 3. He is the <laughs> ultimate detective. I get that. I dig it. I dig it. And actually, he like figures he's it out. He's the ultimate. He always solves it in I, like, a day. Really that too. He always solves it in all the movies. There's only one day. It's in one day he solved it. It's not like months later he's still in the case. Now this shit is one day. By the oh. nightfall, he has it solved, and the person in in jail. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, it's true. If you go to Turkey, this movie would be called Hard Death Three, because everyone has a hard death. Except everyone has that hard death. Except John McClane. That guy's got like nine lives. Yeah. And we're only like, what, five in? <laughs> okay, so this one, I want you to tell me how this makes sense. If we okay. went to Ukraine, it'd be Strong Nuts 3, <laughs> Die with a Song. <clears throat> what? No. Strong Nut 3. Strong that sounds like a porn. Yeah. Die with a Song. <laughs> die with a Song? 
There's no... What? That doesn't make any sense. I, <laughs> I don't... Yeah, Ukraine, tell me. What is the Strong Nut 3 and what is Die With The Song? Like, how is that all... I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know about that one. That one's far-fetched for me. So if you, <laughs> if you go to... You go to Uzbekistan. This movie would be called Non Flammable Three. <laughs> I, love <that. laughs> I love that one. <laughs> yeah. No. So this movie is known by so many names all over the world, and most of them are pretty funny. To be real with you, I love the Die Hard Revenge with the pile. Yeah. <laughs> I love the Die Upright Without Hesitation. That one's pretty good. That one's good. I like Die Hard. But very hard. Very, I like Strong Nut 3, Die With The Song. <laughs> that one's so good. All right. Well, those are the AKAs. Oh, my well, God. Yeah, I, hope, I hope you got a kick out that of it. That segment part always gives me... I get tears because I laugh so hard. <laughs> Which, like, it's no disrespect whatsoever, honestly. No disrespect. No disrespect. It's just... It really just... It's so wonderful to universally hear what everyone sees in these movies. Whew, okay. We have so many fun facts that we have yeah. to get through, so we're going to try to hit yeah, the shit. Yeah, let's get into it because... Uh, we did actually. And don't really be mad if we miss them. I can't believe there's a lot. Who do you want to talk about? Um, well, we've already talked about the director uh, previously with Die Hard, so we don't. We can just uh, John McTiernan. Thank you for doing this film. You're a great director. Uh, much appreciated. Um, he is the original director of the first Die Hard, and he basically changed the way that you know people made action movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, he director of the first predator the last action hero i mean like this guy has some good ass movies under his belt and yeah. uh yeah i you could tell that he took the range back in this movie yeah and i appreciate it mm-hmm. um i what i really super love and i would love to talk about is the uh the writer of the script yeah john yeah. hensley jonathan hensley dude He's a masterpiece. Actually, really quickly, I mean, this is talking about Jonathan Hensley as well. To jump into Lenny's Literary Library. Woo-woo! Jump in a little quickly because the first, uh, the very first movie of Die Hard is actually based on the novel by uh, Roderick Thorpe, which I'm sure you guys talked yep. about when you were talking about it. We did. This Die Hard with a Vengeance is actually the only movie in the Die Hard franchise that is based on an original screenplay. Every other Die Hard is based on a book, on one of the books that is it. But this one specifically is based on the screenplay, which is such a big deal, which we have to thank with Jonathan Hensley because he put a lot of focus on the script. It really, it was actually supposed to be written for Lethal Weapon 3. Well, okay, so this is what I heard. Yeah. He wrote this script, kind of shopped it around. Nobody really wanted it except... People from Lethal Weapon 3, they wanted to add it into it. Yeah, Joel Silver. But, yeah, because he does all of the Lethal Weapons, mm-hmm. and he definitely really loved this and wanted to have it as his, his movie, but Fox was like, no. And Jonathan is, like, you have definitely seen, I mean, other than this movie, some of his, if you saw, like, Armageddon. Armageddon. Or um, The Punisher. Jumanji. The Jumanji. The, the, did you do the first one, too? Yep, he did the original 1995 Jumanji. Yeah, so you've definitely seen some of his movies. He does some great script writing. 
And uh, this yeah. script in general was called Simon Says. Yeah. And it was not written for anybody. Zeus's character was supposed to be a, a woman. woman. Ah! Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he wrote it and then had to change basically kind of some of it to fit into the Die Hard universe. But he came up with the idea. Do you know how he came up with the idea? I think this is quite funny. He had a, a thought because when he was young, he threw a rock at a friend and kind of seriously injured him. And he kind of felt bad about it for like ever. And he thought like, what if like 20 years later, this kid comes back and wants revenge because I fucking hit him in the head with a rock. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how the Simon Says basis came up, which totally works with the first mm-hmm. Die Hard movie. Like, that's why I think it's great. Yeah. No, I thought that it really, the, the whole storyline fits so perfectly with the first film itself, and it just had, it, it, was, it had a really good flow to it. And there was a lot of similarities between the two Gruber brothers that I, I thought it was pretty good. But what I thought was really, really crazy and interesting is that, like, he's, he's done so many other rewrites and so many other scripts that he's not credited for, especially the whole controversy of him with The Rock, which I freaking love The Rock. And the fact that he, him and Aaron Sorkin were completely robbed of writing credit for that film because they didn't write according to uh, the creditors at least 50% of the film, so they didn't give him credit for it. What? Yeah, it was like a huge deal. Like, But he has other writing creds too, like Con Air, which I know is not a popular... <laughs> Is not a fan favorite, but I freaking love Con Air. Put the bonnet back in the box. Like, I can't help. <laughs> it's a good one. It's a good one. John Malkovich is the bad guy, and he's so good as the bad guy. And then Gone in 60 Seconds, he uh, is unaccredited for writing. And Gemini Man with your man Will Smith, which oh, I liked that movie. I like Gemini Man. It was, it was, the, it was, it was. It was. It's not. <laughs> Let me get a good answer. It was. I liked Gemini Man. It was good. It was fun. I mean, I feel like it was kind of rushed. I got to have a old yes. Will Smith and a young Will Smith. That's the only reason why I fucking win. I got a two, a twofer. A twofer, for sure. So, okay. So, the first hour of this movie is word for word the original Simon Said script. Mm, perfect. With just the, with just the names. Uh, switched mm-hmm. and Samuel Jackson's the dude now. So other than that, the first hour of the movie, which is the first hour where we don't see John McClane kill anybody. Yeah, that was a surprise for a Die Hard movie. Yes, but I love it because before the credits is even over, it's just like boof, and it blows up shit, and you're like, oh, okay, we in here. Mm-hmm. Got to call him back. When he wrote the script, he was held and detained by the FBI. Yeah, dude. Because uh, when they were, when following writing the script, he had seemed to have like all this like crazy knowledge and like fierce details about the Federal Gold Reserve. And they were like, how does this man know this? So they pulled him aside. and they What did, are you planning? Yeah, like <laughs> what is going on? How is it that you know all this information? How did it leak? And the, <laughs> Hensley was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't do anything illegal. It was simply a great article written in the New York Times regarding the federal gold reserve and the article was written completely in detail about how it functions and, it was yeah and <laughs> that's on them for sure for the federal go- how come you're not reserve. yelling at the new york times man yeah exactly <laughs> but he had to show like extensive proof had to show the article when it was dated to show that this is what he based it on 
he had no malicious intent. Like that, he had to actually say that. And I have no malicious intent towards the federal gold reserve. I swear. I just wanted to write a very interesting piece, which it was very well thought out. I mean, honestly, the the, the plot and how he built it to like they did the bomb for the subway so that they could get a crew to go in to fix it, and like the alarms would be. How would you know that the alarms were going to be disarmed because of the shock of the of the blow of the bomb and all this crazy stuff? And it's it was I thought that was pretty genius writing right there. So you're covering all your bases to make it at least a little bit realistic. I mean, I think that it's great. I understand that you need to do your research. I have a script that's about a madam. So I read and did a lot of research about madams and how mm-hmm. you become one and what, blah, blah, blah. And if, if it was something, you know, serious, I could totally see the FBI knocking on my door and be like, we've been modernizing your uh, <laughs> I, browse history and it looks like you're trying to start a brothel. Yeah, are you like, starting a brothel? You know, like, are you a Madam Z? Is that what's going on here? You're like, no, I'm just writing a script. Like, you know, that's, I, I totally... I totally get being submerged in it. I think that it's hilarious and very terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) I never want to talk to the FBI. No. So um, he also, he picked the riddle that I still to this day can't figure out if you ask me it right now. Even when I watch it in the movie, I'm like, I don't know how they fucking did that. The water riddle. On the fountain, there should be two jugs. Do you see them? A five gallon and a three gallon. Fill one of the jugs with exactly four gallons of water and place it on the scale and the timer will stop. Like, how do you do it? I don't know. I would totally be under or over. Like, he said that he picked it because it was a question he could not figure out on, like, an SAT test or, like, prep test or something like that. And it kind of stuck with him. And that's how he added it into the movie, which I think is brilliant. Mm -hmm. But I still do not know how they did it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> how does that exactly work out how did it work that's where i would have been exploded at that one well how it works is is that you're supposed to fill up the three gallon jug and then you pour that into the five gallon jug i got it i got it exactly two gallons in here right right leaving exactly one gallon of empty space right yeah a full five gallons here right, right. you pour one gallon out of five gallons into there we have exactly four, four gallons, gallons in there yes. pour it in there come on no right <laughs> yeah so then you pour out the five gallon completely and you have that one gallon left in the three gallon. So then you can pour the one gallon into the five gallon and then you can refill the gallon again to get it exactly four gallons. Because McLean's explaining it and he's kind of like fumbling over his words. And then you're, and then I love when Samuel, when Zeus is just like, you did it, McLean! Like he's so excited. You he's did like, it! Oh my God. Because yeah, because we would, I would have blown up right there. Well, no, up until that point, Zeus has been answering all the riddles, so it's really funny that finally McLean gets one, and you're like, oh my god. That's why I think it's hilarious on that scene where like Clay's like, all right, go ahead and grab the case out there, and he's like, you go grab the case. He's like, you're supposed to be helping me. Go, go ahead and grab it. You're the cop. Man, Simon said you're supposed to be helping with this. I'm helping. But when you gonna start helping? After you get the bomb. Like, literally everything, everything. motherfucker. I know. Exactly. You would not know the number. You wouldn't even know where this thing is because you didn't know yeah. what animal has four legs and is always ready to travel. Like, you didn't even know you the most know simplest. The easiest one the that most... everyone knows. Everyone knows. But, and Your then, ass would have died. And it kills me because John McLean doesn't think about the kids. Like, a kid could get He's that. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Zeus got to go back and get it. Like, oh, my God. You're the cop, motherfucker. I like, know. what the hell? <laughs> Ooh, I have a fun fact. Ooh, yeah. About- Give me a fun fact. <laughs> this is one of my favorite fun facts that I knew before this one fact that I like a little bit. Do you know that this 
there's a scene in this movie that's duplicated in a Pixar movie. <gasps> yeah, oh my God, tell me. Oh my God, I'm okay. so excited. I so, love Pixar. Oh my God, please don't. <gasps> Wait a minute, what Pixar movie? Is it? So in the first Incredibles, <laughs> oh God, starring Samuel Jackson as Frozone. Frozone. In the scene where Frozone and Mr. Incredible are you know, being out there listening to the scanners mm-hmm. and they're trying to stop jewelry thieves and they get stuck into the jewelry store. There's a cop that catches them and he's shakingly holding the gun to Samuel Jackson. He's like, freeze, don't you move. Freeze. I'm thirsty. I said freeze. I'm just getting a drink. <sighs> All right, had your drink. Now, I want I you know. to. I know. Free. Which is the almost shot for shot of the scene where the stupid cop comes up and pulls a gun on Zeus for just yelling at a white person. He yelled at a white person in a subway and got phone. a gun pulled on him. Get off the phone! <laughs> he didn't do nothing wrong except yeah. yell at a white person. That was, that was it. That was it. I have to answer that phone. Get him off! Look. If you have to shoot me, then you go ahead and you shoot me. Well, no, he did. He jumped over the turnstile. That's what caught the cop's attention. Remember, he's he jumped over the turnstile and he didn't pay his fare. And that's going to cause the cop to go after him for sure. But it's not going to cause you to pull a gun because I have thrown a turnstile. I got a ticket for it yeah. and still had to pay for my ride exactly. that day. But I didn't have a gun pulled on me. Exactly. <laughs> Thank God. But. This yeah. is the story of a black man in America, though. Yeah. And so uh, I really like it because even in the incredible scene, if you I pay attention this. to like a side by side, the cops look pretty much the same. Like they drew that cop for mm-hmm. the movie. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So um, that's genius. Way to go, Pixar. See, Pixar, way to go, Pixar. I love Pixar so much. Who's the cat who's always chill? Survival odds are close to nil. Frozone. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to watch Incredibles 2 when I go to sleep tonight. I love, fucking love that movie. Let's keep it rolling. Uh, why don't we move on to the, I mean, we've already really, we can talk about the main character, John McClane. I mean, again, we've talked so much in depth about him already. Bruce, Bruce, uh, we have definitely talked about you in the first Die Hard, obviously. Pulp Fiction. We talked about you in Pulp Fiction and Fifth Element. Mm-hmm. And now in this one. So, we really have dried the well on his backstory, but we're just going to kind of talk to, about him in this movie and how much we love him as John McClane. Yeah, exactly. I think that he does a great job. I can always tell what time period the diehard's in by his hair or lack thereof to, towards the end mm-hmm. of the movies. Exactly. Uh, I hear there's talk of another one, but I don't know how I see Bruce Bruce. He's like, he's got to be in his 60s now, right? Yeah, he's pushing it. He he really is pushing it. This is the most iconic role, and he never says no to it. Because I think he loves being John McClane. I think, honestly, he just will always love being this character. So I don't see him turning it down at all. I think that he will not be as... There'll be more stunt people. Because in this movie, a lot of the, you know, throwing around, you know, practical stunts. Yeah. Throwing himself against a wall or into, you know, a puddle and stuff like that was actually him. Mm-hmm. Um He's always been really good at doing use... most of his basic stunts, for sure. He, that's yeah. why he's such a great he action He does basic star. stunts. Yeah. And he's just so 
good, I guess. Yeah. You know, he whoops some ass in this movie. He whoops ass. In a wife beater, like you said. I know. That, <laughs> honestly, he's the only character slash actor that can get away with wearing that shirt still. Like, honestly. And he pulls it off. What's him in the whole nine yards? <laughs> Remember in the whole nine yards, he plays that uh, assassin? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's just. He's a great actor. He does yeah. comedy very well. He does drama very well. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, he's an action god because literally the majority of our movies are action movies yeah. that we have him on this movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Pulp Fiction is that action? He was a boxer, but we never saw him box, huh? No, not really. I mean, you see him. Oh, well, he does have that huge-ass fight scene. Yeah. With Vim Rames. That's true. He is John McClane. When he dies, they should never reboot it. Don't even fucking think about it. Don't even think about it. Dumb. Like, why? <laughs> I don't want to, like, see anybody else. There is nobody else. Mm-mm. No, there is nobody else in my eyes. Why I love Die Hard with a Vengeance so much is because it has so many ties to the first Die Hard, which I love, I love, I love. So the fact that they have so much uh, continuity together and also just, like, little things here and there to give odes to the first Die Hard are my favorite. Mm-hmm. And this is one of them. Uh, I really love it. At the very end of, this, of the movie... John McClane only has two bullets left to kill Simon, right? Right. Just like in the first yeah, one. Yeah, just like he's in always, the first one. In the first one, if he there's also anybody only has who can be like down to like one or two bullets and still fucking save the day, yep. John McClane, bitch. He knows how to get his man with two freaking bullets, and I'm obsessed. I'm like, how you take a helicopter down with two bullets, motherfucker? How? He does it. He fucking how? does it. Ugh, so good. So yeah, I good. I love him. I think that he did a very good job with this movie. Obviously, yeah, I can't wait to see him um, in another one. Oh my god! What's another Bruce Bruce movie that you would put on our list? Another Bruce Willis movie that we would have to have on our list. Um, hmm. Oh my god, his repertoire is amazing. Uh, actually, I would say it would probably be, and we've already, you guys have already done Pulp Fiction. This also stars Samuel L. Jackson, Unbreakable. I fucking love Unbreakable. I love Unbreakable, That too. movie is one of my favorite movies. Apparently, the film itself is so well, I mean, I'm, an, I'm a huge M. Night Shyamalan nerd. Like, ooh, I love M. Night Shyamalan films. I love breaking those down and, like, really getting yeah. into it. So I would say if we were to do another one, it would be Unbreakable. Although, have we done okay. the Sixth Sense? We haven't done Sixth Sense. Oh, I one. would do Sixth Sense. I also would say Four Rooms because I fucking love, even mm. though he's in a very small part, I think Four Rooms is like brilliant movie. I would also do Alpha Dog, maybe yeah. Sin City. Sin City would be good. Um, ooh, he's in Planet Terror. That's right. But yeah, Bruce Willis, any of the red. There's like a red and red too, right? I like those. Those are good. Mm-hmm. He is uh, now with the old the old action figure crew, the Expendables. <laughs> he's part of that crew. So yeah, he's still out there. Dude, but what I super think is cool is that Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson have been a number of films together. I've We already mentioned Unbreakable, which was uh, one of my favorite films ever, which was in Pulp 2000. Fiction. And then they were in Loaded Weapon in 1993, and then Pulp Fiction in 1994. And then... Uh, have you seen Loaded Weapon? Yes, I have! It is such a cheesy, spoofy, fake lethal weapon. It's very funny. It's very um, funny, though. Yeah. Samuel L. and Emilio, Emilio Esteban. Emilio Esteban. Emilio! Yeah, so they they have worked together. Oh, also, 
Bruce Willis is kind of the reason why we got Samuel Jackson in this movie. Oh. He referred him. He was like, you know who would be a good Zeus? Samuel Jackson. He's in this movie I just finished called Pulp Fiction. You should come and see like the movie. Now, originally, are we talking about Sam? We're on Samuel Jackson. Why don't we just, well, well, yeah, let's just segue into Samuel Jackson at this point. Bruce, Bruce, we talked about you, you know. We love you, Bruce. So, uh, we love you. So, Samuel Jackson went up against Lawrence Fishburne for the role of Jules in Pulp Fiction. Ooh. But Lawrence Fishburne, he turned it down, Mm. and they end up finding awesome Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Then when putting this movie together, Lawrence Fishburne was up for to be Zeus, and apparently to him he had a verbal agreement of being Zeus, but Bruce Willis was like, you know, you should come out to my premiere for uh, Pulp Fiction, and kind of, you know, see if you like Samuel Jackson. And the casting director and producer, I believe, I think it was the producer, went and fell in love with him. It was like, this is the perfect one. Yeah. Basically told Morpheus, hey, girl. Mm-mm. Bye. Bye. Which but honestly, Morpheus was like, nah, bitch. You said I had this part. I shook your hand. We talked about it. Like, it's a deal. I'm taking you to court. Mm-hmm. So he takes them to court, seeing that he had a verbal agreement mm-hmm. and that they needed to pay him or cast him. I believe it was dismissed, but he was kind of butthurt that he lost another great role to Samuel Jackson. (laughs) Yeah. Which, like, honestly, it kept him open to just do The Matrix. I mean, prepare for The Matrix. I mean, it would be, like, what, three years later that he would do The Matrix? Three or four years later? Yeah, three years. 99. Yeah, Mm -hmm. 99 was The Matrix. Yeah. So, you know, there's blessings, little, little life's blessings right there. And that whole fun fact just makes me think of the Samuel Jackson interview. Do you remember that? Yeah. After the Super Bowl. Oh, my God. Where a Los Angeles entertainment reporter Reporter. who should know every person in the whole world. so bad. I have seen this guy on TV my entire life. I don't think he's on there anymore. I think they fired him out. Uh, You got to learn to turn your black people apart. Exactly. It's bullshit. he thought that Samuel Jackson was Lawrence was. Fishburne in a commercial. And he's like, yeah, I really enjoyed your Super Bowl commercial. And he was like, what commercial? He's like, yeah, you know, the commercial. He's like, I'm not that black guy. Just because me and <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne are black don't mean we look alike. He's like, I'm not this black guy. I'm not that black guy. I'm not this black guy. Like, it, that clip makes me laugh so hard because he roasts the shit out of that reporter. He's like, aren't you supposed to be, you're the entertainment reporter <laughs> in Los Angeles, In Los bitch? Angeles. But Samuel Jackson did say that Zeus, out of all the characters that he's played thus far, mm-hmm. is the most like him, which I totally could see. I could, too. You can, he definitely has a more reserved rapport. As the character, because um, mm-hmm. usually, I mean, not that he is ever grandiose in any of his other characters, but he does definitely come off a little stronger um, and more, um, uh, How I don't know how you would put it, like, he just, he comes off as a very severe character, and this has more gentle take on it, which I really appreciate. He's like just a normal New Yorker kind of guy in Harlem. And you can feel that about him, for sure. I really love that he was saying for the look, how he was going for the look, he was studying Malcolm X a lot for this film. And that's why we have him with those glasses and with his, like, white shirt. White shirt, yeah. He was trying Mm -hmm. to go for a Malcolm X, man of the people kind of feel with a a powerful black man vibe, which I really loved. I totally get it, because, you know, he has probably lived on that block his whole life. Yeah. 
everybody in the neighborhood knows him. He has his own shop, so people stop in all the time. The mm -hmm. thugs across the street, they probably never fucks with them. Mm -mm. You know, that's why they knew his name. Because mm -hmm. they, you know, they need to go in there and go get a key made or whatever. You know, they see the fool on the block all the time. He's telling them to pull their pants up and stop <laughs> saying the N-word. Like, you know, like that's Samuel, yeah. like that's Zeus. Like I totally... I totally see him being this character. Yeah. He said he like truly enjoyed it. He loved it. I can totally see this is the most him. They threw some motherfuckers in there and you know, he got to cuss and yell, which we love to hear him do. He actually, my favorite quote slash like exchange is actually him with the boys when they're in the pawn shop and it's like, now where are you going? School. Why? Now, where are you going? School. Why? To get educated. Why? So I can go to college. And why is that important? To get respect. Respect. And who's the bad guys? Guys who sell drugs. Guys who have guns. And who's the good guys? We're the good guys. Who's going to help you? Nobody. So who's going to help? We're going to help ourselves. And who do we not want to help us? White, White people. people. That's right. White, White people. people. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Now go to school. Now go to school. <laughs> I do love that. Yeah. <laughs> because I definitely feel like older black people try to instill that into us at a young mm -hmm. age like you got to make it on your own don't expect a white person to give a handout don't so. want you don't want to have a, you a don't even want out. it because it's going to be some strings repercussion. attached repercussion yeah there's going to be some kind of weird <laughs> strings attached repercussions ugh semi l thank you you will definitely be back because in the world you are the highest grossing actor of all time yeah <laughs> you're my nick fury baby just keep on you're nick and i think that like literally put him over the edge where i don't think anybody will be be able to touch him for a very long time because he's been in like how many movies like 200 and something movies yeah dude. they're all making for the most part even the like the low rated ones are making fucking money plus doing like every almost every marvel movie even mm -hmm. just like showing up at the end of the credits that still counts as a movie you fucking am, bitch. exactly i mean he is yeah. known like you are correct he is known as being the highest grossing actor of all time like all of his films collectively can make time. over 27 billion dollars like he is on a whole nother level like to me he is the biggest star of this film Bigger than Bruce Willis to me, like, honestly. like, And that's what I really like, too, in this dynamic. Not that, um, shit, what's his name? Carl Winslow. Uh, in the original Die Hard. What's the actor's name? Um, okay, can shit. I can I tell you what his name is? His name is fucking yes, Carl Winslow, because that's all I called him on that entire episode. His name is Carl <laughs> Winslow. I don't know. It don't even fucking matter. Literally, that's what I, I called him the entire Die Hard. I didn't even care what his name was. I was like, and Carl... And don't you forget Mr. Winslow. Like, <laughs> I fucking love you. He is a good... <laughs> they were both great. I loved him in that movie. So, okay. I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the actor. Please. But I'm going to call him Carl Winslow. He knows Winslow, his name then. is Carl Winslow. Okay, I've got to be real. Like, I, I'm just like a white girl out here. His, I can't just be like Carl Winslow. Tombstone is going to be like, here lies Carl's Winslow. Carl Winslow. <laughs> Carl. Anyways. Not that I don't love Carl Winslow and Bruce Willis dynamic in the first Die Hard. But this is the most iconic duo right. of all the Die Hards franchise for sure. Like and it's because Samuel L. Jackson is so incredible. They just have this rapport with each other. They have this 
this great comedic timing as well as the the anger dramatic aggressiveness that they come at each other as like the whitest white man you can get whitest cop you can get and like the strongest blackest citizen that fights for his people like it's just the dynamic is so strong of the two of them that it makes it for such beautiful entertainment as well as just a beautiful fucking movie that's why he totally relates to this character because he's a fuck these white people malcolm x reading what's in your wallet motherfucker like Mm -hmm. (laughs) i do want to say that we have talked about him before obviously in pulp fiction we talked about him in jackie brown jackie brown talked about him briefly in jurassic park Yep, and we're going to talk about him more. I I have a funny feeling we'll be talking about him again very soon. Very, very, very soon. soon. So can I give you a not-so-fun fact? Okay, I'm ready. Oh, my gosh. All right, so this movie came out in May 19th, 1995, right? Mm -hmm. But in real life, on April 19th, 1995, the Oklahoma City bombing happened where we had about 800 people injured and 168 people dead, including babies, like little kids in a nursery. Um, Domestic terrorists blew up a FBI building in Oklahoma City. This was very devastating for our nation. I do remember this time. I didn't really know what was going on, but I do remember it on TV a lot. Mm -hmm. But this changed the fabric of the rest of the movies going forward for 1995. Mm. Um, A lot of movies pulled explosions out of their movies because they didn't want to remind people of this time or they would push their movies back. Mm -hmm. Now, Die Hard, which would be coming out like literally like a month later after (laughs) this whole disaster happened. Yeah. It was up for debate if they were going to cut the first scene of the bombing. And, Mm. you know, also it was talk about pushing the date back for this movie so that it wouldn't be so close to these times. But they ended up deciding that this movie was written and made before the bombing. It has nothing to do with the bombing and that people should be able to separate real life from fiction. So they decided to keep it in, which I know is at the time probably seemed like risky. But in hindsight, 2020, I'm very excited that they kept it in because that's probably one of my favorite scenes of the entire movie. It's just the beginning of just showing the city. It's hot. Hot girls living in the city. I don't know the words, but it's just like showing the city, just hustling, bustling. And then the movie starts. So that could have been cut from our movie because of crazy domestic terrorists. Yeah. So that's a little in real life fun fact. Totally sucked. Do you want another fun fact or you want to move on to somebody else? Give me another fun fact. I love a good fun fact. Especially we need okay. a, we need an actual fun fact because that was a not so fun fact. And my heart okay. goes out to all the families, of course. Uh, that was a really tragic time, though. That was, that was in general. Like, that. I mean, there was a lot going on. I remember that. I remember the Oklahoma, uh, the Oklahoma bombing. And then also the O.J. Simpson trial. Like, there mm-hmm. was just, like, a lot mm-hmm. of shit going down during that time. 95 was a, was a turbulent time. Yeah. Okay, so this one kind of has to do with the last fun fact. Okay. But the very first day of shooting was the storefront explosion. So the first big explosion that we've seen was the first day shooting. I watched a behind the scenes of them making that scene. And it 
was quite terrifying. Like, I would have definitely been an extra to be like, I'm down, I'm down, I'm, but I would be scared as fuck because yeah. obviously they didn't blow up a roast store front, yeah. but they blew out windows, blew smoke, and flipped cars. And, they, you know, yeah, it, it felt weird. Yeah, they had to those trucks for sure. They had to fill the trucks. So, oh, also, if you look at that truck that flips, it also has the same name from the truck from Die Hard 1 that the the moving truck had and then like you remember the little truck that comes out of it yeah. it's the same company so they threw that in as the easter egg connection oh, to but the like one. pacific and atlantic uh-huh that's super cute i right? love that so i saw them they were very strict on how they were doing the explosion they went over everything they had huge ass safety meetings they talked about what could go wrong we really don't have you know they got like one try to to make this and if something happens if you get dust and shit in your eyes close your eyes and put your hand up and we will send medics and all of those fun things but like just seeing them the aftermath of them shooting this Mm -hmm. it truly reminded me of like kind of looking at the aftermath of 9-11 where people were covered in soot and they're like laying on the ground and there's like a board on top of them like it looks like something really did explode there it's very crazy oh my gosh (laughs) yeah so they they took the time for that that uh explosion but that was the very very first day of shooting they were like let's get one of the hardest shit done yeah out of the gate do it first get it done love it it was good too. Mm-hmm. That oh my god, that really puts you totally in, worth it. It totally puts you in the whole frame of what you're about to watch too. It's so good. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. Ooh, I like that. Ooh, you like it? Well, let's move on to our uh, villain of the hour because we have not you guys we have not discussed Jeremy Irons at all. We have not. He's never been in any of our movies. Mm-mm. And he's a, such a big, well-versed actor. He started off in the West End in London, big time. Did all the Shakespearean plays, Winter's Tale, Macbeth, Much Do About Nothing, Taming of the Shrew, Richard II. Yeah, he, he is he's from a big, the theater. He's won an, an Antoinette Perry Award, uh, for sure. Ooh, for what? Uh, the, he was in the play The Real Thing. Oh. Yeah, it was a Tony Shepard's play, Tom Shepard's play. Wow, I'm losing it. The bubbles are getting to my head. Ooh. I know. And it was in 1982, older older play, but he was recognized as the lead actor for Best Actor. I always remember him in Dead Ringers. Okay, no, let's just talk about where everybody who is listening to this show knows him from. You know that voice, y'all. That Scar, Scar motherfucker. baby. He's Scar. <laughs> He's yeah. Scar. That'll if be you don't know who Scar is from The Lion King, the I don't know why you're even listening to our show. You need to go be watching movies. Yeah, the original, the not original. the live action. He is the original Scar. Oh, my God, that voice. And he really sings, too. He, he does great uh, voice. be prepared. He does. He has such an incredible voice. He said he picked this role to do because a lot of people see him as more of a theatrical, serious British actor. And he wanted to show that, like, hey, girl, I could do more than that. He wanted people to not just think of him as one thing. But the thing is, to me, I guess this is like the first movie I could say that I remember him in. Mm -hmm. So he's always been a bad guy, like a bad German guy to me. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. I mean, this is the first film that I remember seeing him in. But then I saw him in a lot. Like, he's he's done a lot of films. Like, uh, again, uh, he was the David, in David Cronenberg's film, uh, Dead Ringers, which I didn't watch until later, obviously, because that was such a big, like, uh, movie film 
industry that I watched. But then he was also in Stealing Beauty, which has my girl Rachel Weiss in it. And uh, what's her name? Um, Liv Tyler. And then, of course, everyone's oh, yeah. going to remember him as fucking Aramis in uh, The Man in the Iron Mask. There we go. As the Musketeer. That's exactly, exactly what I, I think of good him as Aramis in that movie. We should do that. Yeah. Fucking Leo. That, John Malkovich. John like, Malkovich, fuck, dude. Yeah, I that know. movie was good. I do love him in Casanova with Heath Ledger. I don't think I've seen that one. Oh my god, he's like the minister. He's in the Catholic Church. I think he's like a prominent, uh, I forget what his specific, like archbishop or something maybe, but he like is investigating who the who Casanova is and is like trying to find him. And it's to- it's so great. He was also in Aragon, which is like totally a dragon film. No big deal. Oh my god. I know. Uh, he's just... Because then he was oh, also yeah. in Dungeons oh. and Dragons, which is another dragon movie. I just, like, love Jeremy Irons because he does just, he does everything. The man is so well-versed and doesn't, does, yeah. he, he will not decide, like, that's too beneath me to do that film. Like, he's down to just Of course, do he it. he also plays Alfred in the, like, yes, Ben Affleck Batman Justice movies. League. He's, yeah. Justice League and Batman versus Superman. He mm-hmm. plays Alfred. He's Alfred. So, like... Yeah, he he he's out there. I feel like he does. He's very good in doing period British period pieces. Yes, They're like hey, dude, we need some dude to be in like the seventeen hundreds. And we're like, boom, got this motherfucker. Like he's very good at at that. He has the look, the voice, the style. Yeah. But he can also be in like The Watchman or you know something just liking. Like you wouldn't ex- expect him, but Mm-mm. he's fucking scarred to me. His voice he's is amazing. Scarred. You know, yeah, who else would you beautiful. want Simon to be? Exactly. Who else would you want Simon you to be besides him. maybe Keith or Sutherland? <laughs> well, they almost had Sean Connery do it. They did. They and I don't like it. Sean Connery. So I am so happy Me that too. they did not. <laughs> Me too. It would have ruined the film. I'm so happy they decided not to have Sean Connery. I'm so happy that there was no selfish, uh, sexist, racist man playing one of my favorite diehards. Even though he died, sorry, RIP, but like, you know, I'm glad that he didn't want to play a villain. I feel like you wouldn't be able to continue on with having this be connected to Die Hard 1. Yeah. Because he doesn't know how to get rid of his Scottish accent. He could have never pulled German off. He could never have done it, no. He could have never, he never, he can't do English, Mm -mm. like, he can't do American, like, Mm -mm. German, he literally is Scottish, that's it, he never can change it, that's just him, that's fine, but it would have been very confusing to deal with connecting it to the first one, so... And then just on like a side personal note, I know I'm boasting up Jeremy Irons a lot, but that's because he's he's actually a really good person in real life. In uh, 1991 at the Tony Awards, he was actually one of the only celebrities at the time to recognize and support the fight of AIDS. And so he wore a red ribbon to the Tony mm. Awards to give his full support against the fight, I mean, towards the fight against AIDS. And um he was one of the only celebrities oh. that were willing to do that. And I think that was a really good stance. It was beautiful. And it just, it shows that he cares and he has a sense of humanity about him. And I can really respect him as an artist and as an individual. So that's just like on another personal, beautiful note that I think he's a really great actor and he's older now, but I hope to still see him continue working. I don't think he'll ever stop. He definitely seems like one of those actors that will move on and continue to work even in his age in his older age 
Definitely. But we will be talking about him again because I do think that we'll we should do The Man soon. in the Iron yeah. Mask. That's a great cast. Yeah. Yeah. But I do want to throw in a fun fact about a person in this movie real quick. Yeah. So Sam Phillips, she plays the bad guy's girlfriend. I think her name is like Katya. Katya. She don't really talk. No. I don't think she says anything barely in this whole movie, but she will fucking hit you with a knife and gut you. Yeah. She will jump on your back and attack you as you rip her clothes off and fuck her against the tank. You know, like Uh that's that bitch. I love her. She always got a cigarette in her mouth. She's the only chick on the bad side and nobody fucks with her. Now, she does not have much on her filmography other than this movie, which would be her first movie, which I think is like a great come in there type of thing. Mm -hmm. But probably her biggest claim to fame would be writing the theme song for Gilmore Girls. This one's for all you, you white girls out there. Um, I was going to say, this is really funny coming from you because you know how much I love Gilmore Girls and like every, I every, hate that show. I know, so I was really surprised that this is the fun fact because this is the fun fact that I knew. So coming from you, this is like really funny and I like love that you know this. <laughs> because it seems like all the girls around me love this show and I can't stand it. Yeah. But so now like, when sh- I hear it, I'll at least be like, Sam Phillips. Dude, yeah, no, she's amazing. She wrote the theme song and all the intro songs and like middle, everything that's in the middle of Gilmore Girls, Bunheads, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. She writes a lot of the the middle parts to that. So you'll hear her voice. She's big, like huge in the 90s. She uh, dropped this album, Martinis and Bikinis, in 1994. Which <laughs> is going, yeah, it's so- Okay, what? That needs to be my next. It was. Like, I might have to steal that as a fucking uh, album title because that's a dope one. It's I so like good. It. No, and listen to the album. She's a fucking, she's an amazing 90s female singer. And I mean, so. I wouldn't know she doesn't say anything in this entire know, movie. You, no, she doesn't. She's completely <laughs> silent. That's what makes her such a, like, a really cool, badass female character. She's one of the, it's her and Connie. Uh, who's the other detective, basically are the women who run this film for female representation, for sure. I do want to say that out of all of the action movies that we have done, or the majority that I've seen, mm-hmm. the powerful women that they added to this movie, it's so cool. Yeah. We have, like we said, we have Sam on the bad side, mm-hmm. being a German, non-speaking badass. And then you have Connie or whatever, who is the detective, detective on the good side, who will <laughs> fucking shove a chair up your ass and run into a building that's going to explode to try to save some babies. I, like, know, I love that line when she's just like, I know we're waiting, but I know you're not worried about the kids, but I'm going to piss my pants if we wait any longer. Piss my pants, yeah. If we wait any longer, let these kids go. I want to get away from I this know. building. So, get yeah, that. But she Colin, was cool. I, I mean, her name's Colleen the, Camp. Right. Mm-hmm. There's the another black yes. lady that is running the priest rinks. Well, no, not her. She, she. It seems like she works close with the chief because she'd be like, "You oh, need to see right. this." Like, mm-hmm. she kept you know, on, yeah. she, she, she was there. She was like the hub, the one. That maybe she's his sex secretary, or she's just like, Officer you know, Jane. Officer Jane. Officer Jane. Played Jane. By yeah, Sharon she, Washington. Yes. Yeah, she did a fucking, you know, I just want to just point out that there were some badass bitches in this movie, which we usually don't see too much of Mm-mm. in these type of movies. So I truly, truly appreciate it. Let me tell you this. So Samuel Jackson's nephews. <gasps> yes. They're the cute little babies. Oh. Now we've previously talked about this in our hidden figure episode i was gonna say we realized that the oldest one of his nephews is 
Aldous Hodge. And like we said, we said he's in Hidden Figures. And he grew up to be a fine chocolate ass man. Oh, my God. Holla at me. Oh, my God. Mm. And then we have Edwin Hodge. I don't know if they're brothers or not. They're brothers. They are brothers. Oh. So they are brothers. They're brothers. That's so cute. From Florida. Yeah, they're brothers. They are gorgeous. Yeah, so you've seen him show up at things like Big Mama's House, The Purge. Just as like a gang of shit that both of them continue to work. They're both fine chocolate men. And Mm -hmm. I did not know that they were actually brothers. I think that is pretty I didn't know that either until just now. That was actually really cool. I didn't didn't really (laughs) look into Edwin too much because the Aldous Hodge, I recognize immediately. Can I give you a little fun fact? Yes. Um, so what I thought was really crazy is that the German actors, the, the German-speaking actors that were in the film, all of their lines mm. actually weren't spoken grammatically correctly. I don't know if you... Because I watched it on HBO Max, and I even turned the subtitles on to figure out, because I remember them putting the subtitles on when the German soldiers were speaking, and they were writing out what Thank they were saying. Thank you! But this time around, when this I watched it on HBO Max. This is true, because I watched it on HBO, and they didn't say it. And they didn't say it. And it's because, and I was like, this doesn't make any sense to me. Why is this happening? And I looked it up, and it's because their German is grammatically incorrect. So it actually can't be recognized through our television. So they can't decode it. Not decode it, but they can't translate it for us. They actually, when they moved the movie over in Germany, they had to, the, the, the German film companies had to actually translate it themselves so that they could have it correctly in the films. Yeah, How bitch, because damn, you, Germans are going to be like, I don't know what they're yeah, doing. Uh, that's not German. <laughs> that's not German. They're just, they're not even doing it right. So, that, this is true, because when I did see it, right? I was like, there's usually subtitles, so and I I usually watch it on DVD because I do have it on DVD, yeah. but it was on HBO, so I was like, oh, I'll just watch it on we'll HBO it. Max, yeah. and it did not have it, Mm-mm. and I had to remember what he's saying, like where Zeus brings him the, the case, the suitcase, the yeah. bomb, uh-huh. and he's like, ich will nach dem Mist mit ein Kind, also stell's hinten rein. Ah. Here, take this. He's like, oh, thank you, thank you. And then the other guy puts, puts it, it on the sidewalk. The subtitles should say, like, what are you doing? A kid, a kid could, could find that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Which is such a big scene because that was yeah. such a telling clue to the end when they're just like, I'm not a monster. I'm a soldier. Like, I'm not a mm-hmm. monster. I would never put a bomb in a kid's school. You would understand that if you had read those subtitles and known that that's what he said um which is also something that zeus was worried about too when he was leaving they were leaving the bomb in the park so it just kind of gives a correlation of those characters and i just thought that was crazy i was like that is so funny i've seen it so much that i know what the subtitles should say even when they're (laughs) on the boat and the guy pulls out all the rubbish junk from the oiled the bins oh and uh he's like there's no gold in here and he shoves it there's no gold in here yep And you're just like, oh, that was a line. Where did it go? (laughs) Yeah. So I suggest maybe, I don't know if it's different on like if you went to YouTube or Amazon or something, but HBO will not have the subtitles for the German, which I don't understand why. Yeah. So if you've only seen this movie once or twice, you might be confused. But if you've seen it a kajillion times like us, (laughs) you don't need a motherfucking (laughs) subtitle. I I knew exactly what they were saying in a fake ass German. Exactly. (laughs) 
that's what's really sad. I know that fake ass German better uh, than I know real German. I got a fun fact for you. Give it to me, baby. All right. So my name, Zenobia. In Greek, it means from Zeus. As in father of Apollo, Mount Olympus, don't fuck with me or I'll shove a lightning bolt up your ass. Zeus! Throw a, a lightning bolt up your ass. Zeus. Zeus. Yeah. And so uh, I always love Zeus. And I think that line, is, that always makes me laugh. Because I'll be like, yeah, I'm father of Zenobia. Because damn, Zeno- <laughs> he's from Zeus. He's from Zeus, baby. I got a fun fact for you, though. <gasps> Give me that fun fact. Okay, so most of the stunts in this movie were like real stunts, not CGI and shit like that. Jumping cars and pulling them off of bridges and explosions. All that shit was real. Yeah. Now, one thing that was CGI is probably something that you would not have thought of. So okay. when they filmed the scene where John McClane is standing on the corner in Harlem, yeah. he's standing on the corner with a, a sandwich board that says nothing. It's just blank. That's how they filmed it. Stop and it. And so CGI <gasps> the I hate niggas on it so that you know, people passing by wouldn't be really upset that Bruce Willis is standing on the corner saying he has hates black people. Like, you know, nobody wanted that. So it's CGI'd. I would um, never if have you known. Watch the, the, you would have never known. If you watch the version of the movie that is usually on TV, you'll notice that the sign does not say I hate niggas. It says I it hate doesn't. everybody. And, and that's what it is. Another fun fact is that the studio wanted to cut that scene out entirely they didn't want to offend anybody they thought it was too much but john the writer of this script threatened to walk out with his script if they didn't keep the scene in here i think that it is a good reason as a black person not necessarily for being racist or any of that but it shows the mindset of zeus because zeus is a man who like mm-hmm. he says he doesn't want trouble happening in harlem he doesn't want the white cops here just shooting and harassing black people. So he will go out of his way, risk his life to stop this man from doing anything that's going to set off a a bigger chain reaction. So I think that is a good thing to put that in there because not, it doesn't show Bruce Willis or anybody else. It's basically there to show why someone like Zeus would come into this. Exactly. No. Wow. I did not know that. That's amazing. And that totally makes that that totally makes sense too that they would have it not completely set because they can edit it out for for t- television purposes any other uh, that makes total sense but yeah you can't take that out I mean not that I'm the, you know that I'm not a fan at all of that word so it is it's really really harsh to see every single time on screen you're like oh shit here we go but it's race is such an important discussion throughout this entire script that that is a huge callus to the start of the friendship between McLean and Zeus. So for that to be the way that they are introduced to each other by this white man wearing this very offensive, fucked up sandwich board, and this beautiful man is coming out to save him, even though he has no, he doesn't need to, he, he has no responsibility yeah. to do so whatsoever. You're right. It completely adds to his character and it's, it's beautiful. And I'm really glad that Jonathan uh, Hensley stood his ground and said, no, if you take this out, my script and I are walking. I, res- I respect that. I'm walking. I, that's, a, that's a really big thing to stand by. Like, you would be that guy that kept yeah. that sandwich board in your film. Like also, I, I totally understand because when I read that as a fun fact, I had to sit and ponder on it a while. Yeah. I was like, 
dang, why would you fight so hard for that? But then after especially, watching this movie so many times, man. especially this and, week alone, yeah, that it just makes sense. It makes sense of why Samuel Jackson would do what Samuel Jackson needs to do to get him in there. If it said, I hate everybody, Samuel Jackson would have kept his ass out there and let his ass get beat. Like, <laughs> exactly. I don't think the black people would have even cared. They would have just been like, eh, whatever. But you, like, targeted us in our neighborhood. I got another fun fact for you. Give me that fun fact, baby. Let's talk about the train scene. It was the train derails in the station after uh, John McClane throws the bomb out the back of the subway station. Or the subway train as it rolls into Uh the station. So that scene was not done, like we said, in... New York. York. No, was we not can't blow up a real a train real, station. But it was in South Carolina in a sound stage that was about 300 yards across for them to be able to do a real working track and a train that would have, you know, like big rig tires on it so that it could be able to skirt, skirt, skirt through the, the <laughs> train station. Mm-hmm. Again, they paid a lot of attention to safety of their actors and they warned them like, hey girl, from this moment on, you don't gotta do no more acting because you will be terrified because you're gonna be running for something that we can't stop. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) we can't stop it. So don't fall, you know, don't get too close. Just run a little bit ahead of it and run out of camera off to the side so you don't get like run over because otherwise, bitch, you're going down. Like, yeah. and to see them like practice, they practice slow and then they picked up the speed of it and it just, it's a, a very memorable scene, uh-huh. and they took a lot of care and dedication in making the scene to protect their actors and their set. So I just want to say brava for that one. It's a good Wonderful. one. Wonderful. I got a little fun fact. Little fun Give it to me. fact. Um, so in the movie, they approximate that when the bad guys, when Simon and his crew are stealing the gold... That it will equal to a hundred billion dollars. In theory and in actuality, there is no way that fourteen dump trucks could fit all the bars of gold that they are talking about. And in reality, it would have been closer to like four hundred and sixty to about five hundred dump trucks that would actually carry all of those gold bricks. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Damn, Gina. It has the most gold in the world. Is that what it said? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That makes sense. To film those scenes over there, they had to shut down Wall Street for about two weeks. <laughs> yeah. They had to shut down that area of Wall Street for two weeks. Yeah. And what's really, so really crazy is that... They couldn't get 400 it was really hard. trucks. No, none whatsoever. So you had to kind of like <laughs> suspend reality in that sense. But what really was crazy to me yeah. is watching that scene and then realizing that like it's not even five to six years later that 9-11 happens. I mean, you actually see the Twin Towers a lot in this movie, too, when they do the, like, the span-outs of the yeah of the skyline and stuff of New York, and it's just weird. Yeah, there's a the whole Twin scene where they're there. running down and, the center of the street. Mm-hmm. And then you see the bombs happen, which yeah, is kind of crazy because a lot of people correlated that with the Oklahoma City bombing, but, like, now even looking at it, it just gets even further because people are, like, screaming and crying and running away from Wall Street Plaza right there. And, like, that's how it really was during that time as well. But, like, worse. It was just 
I mean, there's a scene where they're both running down the street and they're talking about how they're both poor, you mm-hmm. know, trying to find some common ground. And in the complete background, the whole background is the Twin it's Towers. The twin they're just towers. running away from the Twin So they made it a big feature. I believe that it might have been also on the cover of the movie and they eventually ended up taking it off especially after 2001 they Mm -hmm. took it off because they didn't want to have that uh vision on their uh yeah you don't want to be disrespectful just just a tad bit yeah so that's crazy it's crazy right this is the very first die hard to not be done during christmas yeah and it's the very first die hard to be done in new york i know oh my god where he's from where he is from so we finally get to see him in his own stomping ground. You know, he knows the area and it's not like, you know, he's making it up on the spot. This is his fucking home. He's probably lived there forever. He seems like a lifelong New Yorker. Yeah, he's um, born and bred. He's an asshole at a heart, but like a lovable asshole. Yeah, he even calls himself an asshole. <laughs> yeah, he knows. So the director and the production crew had to make a deal with the local games in the area to keep the gunfire down during shooting. Not the movie keep the gunfire down. Yeah. But the gangs keep the their gangs. gunfire down. Oh my god. During filming of this movie. Yeah. Wow. Which is something that we talked about previously when we did Warriors. They said they were filming most of their stuff at night and they had to convince and pay off gangs in different neighborhoods to be like, hey, girl, don't rob us. Don't kill us. Please yeah. don't shoot or Please do anything during this time because we're trying to fill this movie. Yeah. Wow. We'll make you extras. Like, And they made a lot of them extras so that they wouldn't continue to do this. So that's something that, you know, directors have to think about when you're making movies like this or Warriors or Training Day. You got to go into these neighborhoods knowing that. I have to talk to who's really in charge of this neighborhood, not the city who gave me a permit to film here, but the real motherfuckers who so run this neighborhood. I got to talk to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that really are running this yeah. shit. The real running the shit. <laughs> Did you know there's an alternate ending to this movie? Ooh, alternate ending? What do you mean? Give me more. Okay. So this original movie did not end the way that we see it, where he shoot the line that hits the helicopter and Simon goes down and bursting in flames in Canada in his helicopter. Mm -hmm. That's not how the ultimate ending goes down. What happens is, is that after the boat blows up and, you know, people think that they blew up the gold because that's what Simon wanted everybody to think. It didn't happen. And I believe that John gets in trouble a little bit for not catching them and letting them get it away. But what he does is he gets on a plane and he goes across the country to some small European town. He finds Simon sitting at a table drinking and he's just like, hey, bitch, what you doing here, motherfucker? Ah! And he's just like, what are you doing here? He's like, yeah, you know, I you know, lost my job and nobody cares. And I got in trouble because you walked off with the fucking gold and I didn't catch it. I got this Chinese rocket launcher when I took the stickers off of it. So we don't know which way that the firing is going to really happen. And we going to play John Says. And so he spins this fire rocket thing. He lets <laughs> Simon do it. And he has to pick whichever direction he wants and push the button. And if the missile goes off, it goes off in whatever direction it goes into, right? So he's baiting him. He's fucking gaslighting Simon. He's just calling him a bunch of shit. And basically what ends up happening is that the fire rocket goes off 
when Simon pushes it, but it goes off into Simon's chest <laughs> and not into John McClane's chest, mm-hmm. who was also wearing like a big ass like protective flap to keep him from getting killed if it did happen it to did. go in his direction. Holy shit. Right? Uh-huh. And so that's kind of how Die Hard with a Vengeance would end. Now, I personally think that that is a better ending than what we kind of got with the two bullets, which is like very, you're stretching it. I get it, it's John McClane, so I will buy it because, yeah. hey man, he walked around a whole building full of glass with no shoes on and fought the bad guy, jumped out the roof into a window. So like, mm-hmm. I get it. But I kind of like that ending. Yeah. But they changed it because they didn't think that, they thought that the audience would see him as vindictive yes not it, the it, good it, guy he turned into the bad he guy he turns going into after the bad guy a little bit in that ending for sure but to be honest with you i think that's a better ending you guys can definitely find it on youtube go ahead and look that up it's cool i know i did not do justice with it with my description but it's a pretty cool uh ending i think that i prefer that one better than the one that we got but either way simon dies so it doesn't matter mm-hmm. he does he's dead he's gone and he deserved it. I have not seen it personally, no, but I've heard I heard that there was an alternate ending. Yeah, YouTube. Go look that up. All right, I'll have to look it up. I got a little fun fact for our local New Yorkers out there. I was going to ask you, like, how did it feel about being, like, a New I York know. movie girl? I know. It felt really, really good. And it's exciting because I'm going to be heading back to New York uh, at the end of March. So I'm really ex- it, it got me in the mood. I was like, oh, my God, I can't wait. But what was really crazy is that Thompson Square Park, which is where the whole elephant fountain scene happens, and Thompson Square Park is in the East Village. It's right down the street from one of my favorite restaurants, which you're going to make fun of me. It's called Criff Dogs. There's a speakeasy there, too. Um, If you want to hear more, I'll tell you about it. So I've been there a lot. I've smoked a lot of weed in that park. I've chilled in that park, had a lot of good times in that park. What's funny, though, is that I have been in that park, and I was like, where the hell is this freaking fountain? I thought it would be there. I didn't understand when I first moved to New York. I was like, and I love to check out all of the New York sites and walk around and see all the the filming areas because usually they're true to form, especially in this film because there is so much New York representation. This fountain was specifically built for this movie. They put it in the park. It's not there. Yeah. It was built. That fountain was specific. Wait, 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 wait. And they took it with them? Or, like, I could go back right now and go see it? No, it's not there anymore. No. There is no fountain for you to go see at Thompson Square Park. It, it, it was completely built just for the film, and Damn they completely it. dismantled it and took it down. If I went to New York today and I tried to find this fountain, I could not find it. You wouldn't find it. <laughs> oh, shit. It's not there. That is I a, did not know that. That is not a thing. But so they took it with them when they were done. Yeah. When they were done, they were like, okay, and it's coming with us. Wow. Yeah. It happens a lot. It's the elephant one, right? Yes. It's the elephant scene, the fountain scene when they're putting it together. And it was the only park that they could get uh, it licensed and sanctioned for them to actually build and the fountain in. Because any other parks in New York City, you would not be allowed to do, do so. Oh, wow. Isn't that crazy? I did not know that. I thought that was a real ass fucking fountain. Nope, they built it. I got one more fun fact. Give it to me, baby. I mean, I have a million fun facts, but there's just like, not, you know. We don't got time for all that. So, what I do have as a fun fact is that this movie initially, I believe, was supposed to be like a P-13 
PG-13 movie, not as much gore or anything like that. But eventually what ended up happening is that the more and more they added it to the Die Hard franchise, the R it got. So once they realized that this movie was, there was no way that they weren't going to be an R-rated movie, they decided to add the sexy, sensual sex scene that we see at the end of the movie between Simon and his bae, where she like attacks him and they have like angry, passionate sex after they just drank a bottle of Dom Perignon. So that scene was added into the script because they were like, hey, Mm -hmm. We're already a ra R-rated movie. like <laughs> So they added it, which I think it's funny. Adding those type of scenes for sometimes helps. And sometimes you expect it. Like we talked about last week with Don't Mind Is My Name. Lady Reed was like, look, you have all these fine bitches around you. Somebody wants you just to fuck one or two of them. Like, we got to see you fuck somebody. And <laughs> yeah, it's kind of exactly. like the same thing. Like, that's where they were at. Like, someone needs to fuck somebody in this movie. And they did. Their last wow. fucked before they exploded in a helicopter. Beautiful. So, yeah. And it's sexy as fuck. I love the scene where he's looking for the bomb on the train and he's looking under the seats and he, like, oh, and the lady? To this lady. And she just, like, screams at him for no reason. Which is so real. And I always it's thought, so like, real, though. Why the fuck does she do that? That's so random. But living in a city where you have to use a train or going to mm -hmm. New York, I see why you had the crazy lady screaming because that's what people do on the train. They're crazy. That's what they do. They're crazy. <laughs> it makes so much sense. But as a kid, I always thought, like, who the fuck is this lady screaming? This makes zero sense. No, it yeah. makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. <laughs> All right. So we did it, you guys. We made it. We made it. We've been samping. Yeah. I'm going to be drinking this drink tomorrow, too, because I got quite quite a lot of champagne left in this magnum bottle that I have. I know. You um, have a big-ass bottle. But are you ready for Z for the people? Uh, yes. Uh, Woo. Yeah. Give me Z for the people tonight. What's going on? This one is in dedication to Zeus's nephews. Oh, so God. this is called Harlem One Stop. So our Children Foundation is a nonprofit organization which serves as an after-school educational and resocial uh, for children of Harlem. Mm. The everyday opportunities and services classes are subjective to performance, which brings in the community at large. So this mm. Harlem One Stop Children's Foundation helps to add aftercare schools to schools that were could be blown up by Simon or could not be blown up by Simon. Either way, these kids need some after-school activities. I know that uh, growing up with two working... I'm sorry. Working so up good. with two, two working parents, uh, I, I had to go to after-school programs all the time, mm -hmm. and I enjoyed them. I always had fun. I learned something. I got to do some, meet some friends, and I believe that if I didn't go to an after-school program in junior high, I would not have been in love with the theater like I am now and not have pursued my goal of being an actor. Mm -hmm. So I think that this is something that everybody should look into if you are, I decided to do a Harlem one, but if you are in the New York area and want to stop by or contact them, they're going to be at 527 West 125th Street in New York, New York. 
And you can call them. And their number is 212-316-7040. Yeah. So so donate your time. Donate your money. Check it out if you live in Harlem and you need something to do with your children. This is a great thing for them. So, yeah. If you you want to know any more information, go to Harlem's One Stop. HarlemOneStop.com. HarlemOneStopWhat.com. Sorry, Look them up. Right. So yeah, that's my Z for the people. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, beautiful. Oh, we did it. We did it, girl. Girl, tell everybody where they can find us. Oh, we are everywhere, people. You going to listen to a podcast? You can find us. We're on Spotify. We're on Podbeam. We're on Altail. We're on Flustin Paradise. Flustin Paradise. Just kidding. It's called Pod Paradise. Check it out. dot com. Everybody, look it up. I mean, Apple even suggests podcasts. We're on that. Just go check it. Don't forget to check us out on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. We are around doing the thing. So uh, send us some DMs. Check us out. I'm having so much fun on our stories. Zenobia's making us cocktails. It's just a ball. I am. So just look around. Check us out. We're having so much fun. Don't forget to email us at Lights, Camera, Cocktail, no S. Get the S out of here. At gmail.com with all of your close encounter stories. I love hearing about all the times you meet celebrities. It's so crazy. and so fun. It's so fun. And then also film recommendations. I got a couple already from you guys. Uh, I'm really excited about the person who suggested Nebraska to us. I didn't even know about this movie. It's unbelievable. But thank Ooh. you. Uh, thank you so much for sending in that recommendation. I was uh, thrilled to see it. Yeah, and we look forward to hearing from you. Please get in involved with your community get to know each other check in with your friends host a movie night we're still in these times when we're kind of stuck isolated a little bit so if you can reach out and put like a zoom movie night netflix has a really cool thing where you can watch a movie with a friend you know reach out to, to people so it's the disney time plus and, uh, we love you guys Disney Plus is doing it too. That's right. But yeah, we love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate you guys coming back every single time. We see you and we appreciate you and we love you and we love doing this. So thank you so much for being there for us and uh, listening. Yeah, please rate and review us. iTunes, that's how we get on the board. That's how the people know that we are a thing. Do you want to tell everybody what our secret sequel for this month will be? Oh my gosh, you guys. Okay, I like love that we chose this theme for this month because it just exhilarates me to watch all these movies because not only do I watch this, the sequel movie, but I watch the originals as well. So it just like makes me so happy. We decided for next week's episode, we're going to do next Friday. Yeah, bitch. We're trying to finish out the trilogy because we've already done Friday and Friday after next. So go ahead and listen to those ones before next week. But we about to finish yes. out this trilogy with a really good one. The introduce the introduction of Day Day, bitch. Day Day, so baby. We're gonna have a good fun high ass episode. I'm so We're going to be real drunk high next week. Oh, I'm going to be so high. I don't even know if I'm going to drink because I'm just going to be smoking so much weed. Because doesn't Smokey go into rehab in this episode? Yes. In this in this one? Oh, he, poor Smokey. He does. We don't even see him because he, he had to go. We don't see yeah. him. All right, you guys. Lenny, bitch. Yeah, girl. Thank you for drinking with me. Thank you for talking with me. You know I love drinking with you. You're my favorite person to drink with in the whole world. I fucking love you, bitch. I love you, bitch. I can't wait for us to drink in person. I know. It's almost time. Oh, my God. Here comes summer. 
Well, everybody, thank you for listening and drinking with us, hopefully, too. And we will be back next week with another episode of Lights, Camera, Cocktails. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. <laughs> I had no idea Canada could be so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> he does say that, doesn't he? He does say that. <laughs>